testing one two three la 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 you're telling me that they had a late night but you seem on top of your game i'm, I'm like manic like in the manic phase now are you more are you more manic on lack of sleep it depends it really depends because sometimes it's like oh super ma manic or then sometimes it's like crash and yeah. super tired but today fortunately I'm on the upswing of manic rather than the downswing. It's been four hours of sleep in 24 hours. So. But you have to sort of lean into it when you're at a show like this and people are coming up and engaging with you. Yeah, I've been here to at the at this expo since like eight o'clock. Yeah. No, no, no. I. No, I'm sorry. I. I woke up. When did I get here? <laughs> I got here like an hour before. Do you remember up. your trip here, or did you just sort of like stumble into Brooklyn? <laughs> I know. No, I I took an Uber. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't stumbling because yeah. I can't carry that heavy box of books. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But by the way, I did a spell, and now most of them were sold just like I thought. You did a spell. What did that, that entail? The spell was that my suitcase would be completely yeah. empty, no books at all of my own. But what, like, what is what is doing a spell entail? It's really just different things for different... If you can want a different intention, different spells for different things. So, um, like, okay, I know this sounds satanic, but <laughs> if you want... Like, one of the... Sometimes money spells involve blood. I was going to ask, like, this is like a, a particularly capitalistic spell because you're trying to get all of your stuff sold. Well, today's yeah. is, but... Um, Money spells are oftentimes uh, involve a little bit of blood. Huh. Your own? Or just whoever, you know, is doing it. Yeah. And it's because... But the person doing the spell is giving some of the yeah, blood. Yeah, because if you put you put your blood in the water yeah. and you mix it, yeah. it turns the water gold. Okay. Like if you yeah. put drops of wa a blood in, yeah. in water, it turns okay. the water gold. Yeah. So so did you use blood this morning? No, no. Oh, okay. Today, no. <laughs> Today was just a simple intention. Like, yeah. I'm just going to manifest this thing. I like, see. Here's the it was like power of positive thinking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here's this really crazy story that just happened. Like, this, keeps hap this kept happening sure. all last night at my friend's birthday party. Yeah. Okay, so I showed up in this dress that's a specific kind of dress, and it looked like a 20s art deco dress with like you a said plunging neckline. it was a cocktail party specifically. Yeah, so that and was... everybody showed up in these black yeah. cocktail dresses that looked just like mine that I wore. But different styles sure. but the same look. Yeah. And mine had, was art 20s art deco style with like a plunging um, neckline. Yeah. And then uh, a weird kind of deco pocket that went all the way around to the back and then like a tulip skirt, right? Okay. So, um... These may be terms that, like, girls only use for fashion crap. It's fine. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm going with it. Okay. So that was my dress. Yeah. And I'm describing it exactly because it's just, like, a unique thing that looks only like itself, right? Yeah. So I got that in Chicago when I was in tour in Chicago. I was just there for a month writing the screenplay that accompanies the Meat Cake Bible graphic yeah. novel release. Because um, I have, like, producers interested, but we're going to see how this goes. A right? screenplay based on your long-running comic? Yeah, on Meat Cake. But yeah. it's, like, a screenplay I wrote. Because um, I don't trust anybody else to do anything, like, with my voice or my vision, except for me. Like, if somebody has a similar thing and we can work together, it's cool. Yeah. But i got to lay down the groundwork or else people start going to skew. I've got to worship the goddess in the way that's appropriately representative. Because so, people, like, uh, people glom onto the wrong thing, maybe. And they make or that they the interpret focus. it wrong. I mean, yeah. we're in the patriarchy, and it really dis distorts everything and tries to disempower everybody. Yeah. Like, everybody, even white guys, are not, like, properly served in the patriarchy. It's all crap. It needs Thankfully, to we got Trump. Oh, yeah, thank God. <laughs> He's going to set things right. So you showed up with this dress. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. my dress. Yeah. And then my friend just happened to be wearing, like, a twinsy version of my dress. And she's like, dude, I was looking at that exact dress. I got mine for on sale. And it was new, but it was really great. Yeah. And it wasn't, I didn't know his designer anyway, um, to go to the goth club on Halloween, whatever. So when I, but when I saw it, she, when she saw me wearing it, she freaked out. She's like, dude, I've been watching this dress 
online. It's $2,500 dre $2, dress. Yeah. Yeah, $2,500 yeah. dress. And it's um, like some designer, I can't remember. Sure. And all this. And I'm like, what? She shows me a picture. I'm like, what? That's totally my dress. She's like, I wanted to wear this so bad to this thing I'm going to tomorrow, which is today, with my boyfriend. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, you can borrow mine. Now you get to wear it for free. So she manifested that. She was sitting there for weeks or whatever, obsessing on this particular thing, and I show up to lend it to her for free that she can wear to this event. That's an example of witchcraft manifestation. These are kind of like self-interested spells, right? It's like, like a capitalist spell of selling <laughs> stuff or like, I want that thing. Well, no. I mean, it's not always that. Yeah. It's but just funny in these two cases. It's not like, oh, you know, world peace or something. It's like, I kind of really want that dress. <laughs> I know. You're making, yeah, I guess I'm making witches sound pretty like, okay, I get money. I get this dress. I'm yeah. happy. Yay. But my friend, this one in particular. Yeah. She's really rad. Like, she's been going to... Okay, first off, she was, like, booking punk rock shows and doing all this stuff in the 90s. And she's a little younger than me, mm -hmm. so the 90s and, like, last decade. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> doing all this stuff for, like, helping other people, you know, manage, do all this stuff. Like, create the art community in Philadelphia and all this, right? Mm. So, but after being, like, a girl, one of the only girls in this kind of field. Yeah. She was like, you know, I'm really tired of being second-class citizen, knocked down. So she stepped it up a notch, went back to school, got a degree, and is now starting this thing, philanthropy thing, where she's going to start creating events where um, women entrepreneurs and artists mm. can meet people that are philanthropists of that and fund that. Well, you were here for a while, right? You lived in New York for... I lived in New York from... Solid. From 1992? Yeah. Until 9-11. Oh, wow. And then, like, six months before 9-11... Oh. I knew that New York was going to get bombed. And I didn't know if there was going to be, like, Hiroshima or something. I mean, how did you know that New York was going to get bombed? You just had a feeling? Because I saw in a dream... A vision of a place like Pompeii, where the entire city got covered in ashes, like blown up like a... I saw Pompeii, but it was in New York, and there's a volcano in New York, and it blew up and covered the city in ashes, just like what happened when the planes hit the buildings. And what happened was, I'd seen that vision, and I was afraid New York was going to get bombed. So... I left, I wanted, I'd lived here 10 years, so I wanted to try LA, and if I didn't like it, I could come back, whatever. So I kind of broke up with my boyfriend, broke up with my boyfriend, and moved to LA. I was there two months, it was six, like maybe three months before 9-11. Hated LA, for the, I was there two months, it's understandable. Hated, hated it there, because yeah. I'm sane, or sure. maybe I'm not sane, but. You're Whatever. a different kind of crazy. People who like L.A. are insane. Okay, so. That's fair. I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody says they like L.A. People do now, but they're wrong. It's but fine. Ever. <laughs> so I'm there, and it yeah. sucked. I hated it. And I was like, well, this sucks. I want to go home because what the heck? So then I, like, um, I was a fashion model then. I, uh, I modeled for, like, 10 years but this was like, because you had already been doing the comic for a while at oh, that Oh, yeah, point. yeah, yeah. I, I've always been a cartoonist, yeah. but I was a fashion model just like on the huh. side. So I um, I was flown back to New York City on Nova, on sorry on September 10th <laughs> for Fashion Week. And I did a, I modeled that night. Yeah. And then um, and then the next day I saw 9-11. I was here to see 9-11. And you were back for two days in 9-11. Yeah. yeah. And I'd come back to get back into my apartment on, in Soho on uh, Mulberry Street and be like, look, dude, to my boyfriend, like, look, that sucked. I can't take it. I need to come back home. 
and talk to him. But, but the ashes filled up the apartment because yeah, yeah. we were in Soho. Yeah. So close. Like you could see the Twin Towers yeah. from down where we lived up our street. Like yeah, looking like up the street. Yeah, 15 blocks away or something yeah, like that. So yeah. So our, our apartment was covered in ashes, street covered in ashes. So I ended up stuck in LA where I was like by coastal coming back to New York anytime I could. And I was running an Airbnb in then in in for from like 9/11 till maybe 2007 or you something. You were on that early. The yeah, Airbnb. no, it was before it was just, Airbnb yeah, yeah, started. I was doing it the same the same system. Or, yeah. yeah. And then I was also running my friends Airbnb in Brooklyn, so I was able to rent out my place, live there for free, have money from that, live in Brooklyn for free help my friend run hers and then keep live for free in two places and make about $1,200 like a, a like month. a like a mini real estate mogul yeah <laughs> so I know it works but I didn't know if it worked in Savannah right yeah which is where you are now it's a total hick town it's only a, a thousand I'm sorry a hundred thousand people okay and many of this not everybody because it is the San Francisco of now it's the San Francisco of the South. Okay. That's why I live there. Yeah. I've been to Athens, which I like a lot. Uh, Athens, Georgia is great, but I've, I've not been to Savannah. Savannah looks like my comic book, and it is my habitat. Yeah. And it's the most haunted city in America. Yeah. So you're in your natural environment. I am, but, like, and I have some friends that are cool. Yeah. But, you know, like, the gay scene's fine, and... Uh, Planet Fun and the guy who runs Planet Fun, John, and like that whole scene is adorable. Yeah, the but really small, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Sequential art kids are adorable, you know. Yeah, this is a big art school. Yeah, yeah, there's there's people. It's okay, but there's this like I forgot because I'm from Idaho originally. Yeah. Which is maybe why I can't even handle it. <laughs> it's, it's too close like to home. Carrots with trucks. Yeah. And there's a huge like kind of scary Christian redneck there to the point where I got fired from teaching painting one time for being for three years I helped this woman build her business and she fired me for being a witch so what brought you to Savannah in the first place mm. okay my friends got married and their their parents were rich and their parents bought them a um, fancy apartment in midtown I went to the housewarming Midtown Savannah? Manhattan. Manhattan, okay. <laughs> they don't call it Midtown, Midtown Savannah. <laughs> they don't call it Midtown there. Not the Upper West Side. Oh my it? God, yeah. well, that would be funny. Yeah. Yeah, not even like the upper yeah. echelons yeah. or whatever, but it's still a million sure. dollars. And I go there and I'm like, you know what? I was like, oh, this is great for you guys. Cool. But I realized, like, I'm about to be 40. And it costs a million dollars for this. This is the size yeah. of a, a double wide with no yard. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I don't if, if I don't do something different, I'm never gonna have anything. I'm just gonna go through a series of like weirdness, you know. But you were I mean it you know, it sounds like you you were doing all right because you were doing so many different things all at the same time. I mean you were you know, I, I don't imagine you were making a ton of money from comics, but you were doing modeling on the side. You were running a little, a little real estate <laughs> circuit. I'm like, I've got a lot of ideas, like app, app ideas. Yeah. And um, my feature film stuff, and there's so many ideas all the time. But like, it takes money and time to produce everything. Do you, do you ever do you ever regret? not just focusing on a single thing i mean mm -hmm. do you know do you, no okay because even if you do focus on one single thing even if you try focusing on one single thing it might not pay enough so you got to di diversify sure. sure so like i put out my comic book meat cake but then people are asking me to do freelance illustration i to hustle as a freelance illustration and then, um, and then that starts happening, and then you got to do that. So, I mean, doing the tarot deck was best move move I ever made. The mermaid tarot deck went viral, and people who didn't know me as a cartoonist yeah. bought it. Yeah. 
and now they buy my comics that's why I'm doing this stuff because it's like it helps bring people into my it's always all about the comics like it's always all yeah. about being cartoonist comes back to that in the end even if I was like tomorrow Shepard Fairey designing clothes having a video game feature film all this it would always still come back to the comics mm. and um, I just think it's a great medium it's I started out in zine culture yeah it's a very empowering thing. So you were self-publishing before Fanographics approached you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, for three years, like when I was 17, 18, 19, like that. But um, it's just a really empowering medium because um, I, I teach children how to even do it. And it's like, you've got a story. And... Even if you don't even know how to draw, you can get someone who does, or you can learn, or your style, embrace your own style. Excuse me, make a zine, and then it's easy and cheap to make a zine, mm -hmm. and now your idea's out there. What's interesting to me, though, about what you've done over the years is, you know, obviously it's important that you have this sort of singular vision and, and um, that it's un unaffected by, you know, outside editorial forces, and you've been able to do that with your own book but you've also spent a lot of time collaborating with other people so it's not like you're averse yeah. to working with others no I really love everybody <laughs> but a lot of people like a lot of people you know a lot of people reason why they focus in on something like comics is because it's really the one medium where you know may maybe maybe writing a book or something but it's one of the few mediums where you can just create your own thing without somebody you telling you what to do you control your entire yeah. universe yeah. Because, you know, obviously you're carrying, now that you're talking about writing the screenplay, it's carrying over in, into that a little bit. And you know that at some point, even if it's based on your work, and even if you're the person writing the screenplay, at some point you're going to kind of have to let it out of your hands. Yeah, but I always have meat cake. I always have my own world. Yeah. So anything I do on the side, it, it doesn't stop me from doing what I do. So I'm okay. But also, oh, I'm sorry, were you saying? Well, no, it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's um, particularly when it's, when you're basing it on something that you've been working on for a long time, this ongoing series, right. you know, what you do potentially risk is this is the first thing that people are going to see from that world. This is their, going to be, be the right idea of it that like, is it, would it be better to attempt to create something new versus basing it on this thing that you have so much invested in that you've been working on for so long. Oh, I see what you're saying. I know where you're saying that. And yeah, I created like, I've written like four screenplays. I wrote, um, I wrote one called Planet Blue. <clears throat> anyway, I won't list them all because yeah. some of them are still, Oh. So, no, some of them are still um, yeah. covered by the Writers Guild. Okay. Because I've, I've gotten them all registered, bitches, so don't try to do that <laughs> shit. And... <laughs> Um, some of them are uh, not as current as others. Okay. But anyway, I've written four screenplays. Yeah. I've gotten two movie options. I've come really close. I was in Hollywood. I had an agent. I did all this stuff. Yeah. And I got this epiphany when I was in Chicago. Uh, this was recently, though. You, you were just in Chicago. Yeah, I just did it, like, a couple days ago. Yeah. Oh, you just had your epiphany a couple days ago? Yeah. So this is what I realized, okay? Because <laughs> epiphanies better. and visions happen, sure. you know, when you're a witch or whatever. Yeah. So. <clears throat> oh, wait, wait, I have to say one thing first, because oh, sure. I'm ADD, so we always yeah, got off topic. Yeah, it's okay. fine. So first point, reason I love collaborating with people yeah. is because my work is like a lighthouse circling around trying to find other people like me, because I'm a total freak, Yeah. and I've always been like the last unicorn, and I've always wanted to find my unicorn sisters, and I was yeah. always really like sad and freaked out that I didn't, you know, didn't know where they were. And so by making this book, I find other unicorn sisters. You saw them in those photos. It's like the All bat those, signal. It's the bat signal, and the bats come to me, and they clearly... It's a unicorn signal. Well, and bats, because you saw them. They yeah. were bats, too. And, and then when they ask me to collaborate, anything they want me to collaborate with is something that's already from my world, and then we're, we're good to go. It's yeah. kind of like being Ozma of Oz, where everybody in Oz is oh, like a wacko. You yeah. know, they're all weird and interesting, whimsical characters. And then Ozma is there, and I'm like Ozma trying to find everybody. Yeah. You know, so when I meet somebody else, I'm like, oh, yay, you're already in Oz. 
Well, that's, you I know? mean, that, that, that clearly, you know, <clears throat> goes back to your youth. I mean, you grew up on, on a ranch, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, you, and I read those Oz books. Yeah, but you, you I mean, you know, like, I, I grew up in, it was kind of suburban, and there weren't a lot of weirdos, and I was excited when I met them, but you were so far removed. Yeah, but my family were um, artists and hippies, kind okay. of. And so they're bohemian. Yeah. And then uh, I knew a lot of Mormons and Native Americans. Okay. Which is, whether they're normal or not, that's pretty weird. Because I don't meet those people ever again since I left Idaho. Yeah. Like, that much. I'd like to. But they're just not around. I grew up with a lot of Mormons. Very, I've, I've, every really? Mormon I've ever met I liked. Not everyone I've liked. Okay. Maybe that's why I made the village in California. Of, yeah. No, it's different. <laughs> That's why I mean, like, when, when Nazis can completely take over their own little super white supremacist world, yeah. and they're the ones in control, and there's no other races or religions trying to dilute it or keep them in check, things can get witch burny. It's so interesting, though, because, you know, it seems like, I assume that when you're growing up, you know, even though you were kind of, you know, your, your parents were, were, were hippies, you know, you were actively thinking about, at, you know, what point you'd be able to kind of grow up and get away get from that. Get out, yeah. And then, then you kind of went back to it in a way, right? I mean, you're back in, I mean. It, the might, only reason I think I can even put up with yeah. it is because I'm from somewhere like yeah. that. But, and it occurred to me, but I didn't understand exact, because Redneck South is different than where I'm from. Sure. But where I'm from might even be, shockingly, worse. Yeah. So. But why, why, would, you, why would you go back to that? Yeah, why, right? Yeah. Well, oh. The Epiphany. No, not the Epiphany. The thing that happened yeah. on the upper and the in Midtown. Midtown, yeah. So I walked away from that party and I was like, oh my God. If I don't... I'm never going to be able to buy a, anything here. Yeah. And I don't know if I want to just like rent forever and not know what's going to happen to me. Yeah. No security. And coming up with three thousand dollars of rent to live in Chinatown where the smell of like burning dogs is coming through my window because they literally were cooking dogs downstairs like it's fine in Chinatown I dig it it's a very visceral and real experience sure and I love it there I love New York the people are amazing my memories are all here my godchildren are here this is my home but it just made me upset that I along with so many other New Yorkers especially um even people born in New York have to live in Queens, have to live like so far away that I was like, if I'm going to have to live so far away or buy property in upstate or something like yeah. that, where it's going to be more expensive because it's still in the state of New York. If I'm going to have to go there and do that, then I'm just going to go to some other planet completely where things are really, really cheap and there's no winter. How... You know, I mean, part part of what what keeps me here is, you know, my my, my job is here. Um, obviously, it's not the same when you're an artist. Yeah, I'm a writer. Like, I'm doing yeah. the Hemingway thing. But but, how important is it as as a writer, as an artist, to be surrounded by other artists? Well, because that's part of the appeal of New York is that there's you know mm -hmm. there's still a community. I know. Some sense. Yeah. Well, I lived here long enough that. I have my friends. Like everybody in that photo, I've known for either 15 years or five years or yeah. 20 years, whatever. And um, and so no matter what happens, I come back here. I always have my friends, and I always make more friends. And it's it's cool. And um, and I ultimately want to get to the place where I can like when my house is stabilized and my money's happening. With my meat cake manor is the name of my Airbnb endeavor, actually. Um, that I can come back here and rent a place for three months at a time or something, mm. which is kind of the amount of time that I even want to deal all the time anyway. Because it gets, or it gets expensive, or it gets too cold, you know what I mean, or something. So yep. it's okay. And then I'll just sort of be like an expat that way. And then when I'm in Savannah, I kind of like it because it's it does get alienating and it is kind of sad sometimes a little bit, hmm. but I need the time and space to be able to think to myself and and work. So I'm okay. And then I have some friends at the haunted house where I used to work. Yeah. And, um, I have some sea captains and witches that are friends too. You know, it's not like nobody. You know. 
heard an interview that, that, that you did. I was, I was listening to it on the way here, and, um, and this, is, this is how I knew that you, know, you grew up on a ranch, and you had talked about the fact that your parents were essentially back to the earthers. Yeah. Back to the land. They were, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and that part of what drew you to uh, learn to sail was this sort of, this almost like seasteading right. idea, right? You know, speaking of, you know Hemingway's brother? built an island on a raft, tried to make it wow. a, autonomous. But, uh, I mean, in a way, aren't you kind of doing that in Savannah right now? Are I you, am. Are you I, building your own? Oh, dude, I came to this realization yeah. yesterday when I was telling my friend. I was like, okay, when I was in Idaho, I just hated that people, I thought it was just gross that somebody would have, like, 15 children. Yeah. I thought it was gross that, I thought it was weird and sociopathic that these people would go and homestead and live up in the middle of nowhere so they could just be like isolated. Yeah. And, uh, and oh, and the whole like marriage thing, like maybe I'll get married one day, but I've never been married because I don't believe in heteronormative bullshit that much. So there's all that, right? And, and then I, okay, so then I end up, and I was just, my friend laughing, end up homesteading yeah. the South, building this thing out of nothing in the ghetto, basically. And I have 13 godchildren, and then on top of it, yeah. so I have 13 children anyway. Sure, but you're doing it in your own way, to Right, be fair. but it's still so Mormon of me to do this. My, yeah. And then on top of it, my friend saw these women escape from the Mormon bunker, and they all came out, and they had on, like, gunny sacks-looking sure. dresses, yeah, yeah. like that prairie yeah. style. And then they had like long blonde hair and shit. They're like, they came out of the bunker and they all looked like you, Dame Darcy. And I was like, oh shit. See, even <laughs> the way I look is still a Mormon. Yeah, you have very long sleeves. <laughs> I was like, well, this is kind of yeah, in the 70s. Like, yeah. This was kind of a Mormon look. It's weird how I like yeah. try to get away from it and then like I still, I'm just. I wonder, I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's like one of those things where if you just go, far enough in the other direction it kind of, it kind of loops back around at I some point. I guess because I've done everything. I've been yeah. everywhere and I lived in like major city. Yeah. All this stuff. San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York. I spent my entire adult life and those are nothing like I know. Where are you more comfortable? Are you more comfortable in the city or are you more comfortable? New York is more my home. Like yeah. New York's really I've I always have this theory like okay, I was born in the West Coast on a mountaintop, but I saw pictures of New York and I watched, I saw Splash <laughs> and I, and I realized like when I saw that, I was like, oh, I know what I need to do. I need to move to New York yeah. and be a mermaid. Sure. Yeah. I, I, that was Ghostbusters for me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like the boy version. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, you, you just, I think New Yorkers are just anywhere. It's like Atlantis. I'm from Atlantis yeah. originally. I'm a mermaid. I can remember Atlantis, and when I meet other people you that are from Atlantis, yeah. I know who they are, and we all have the same idea about the huh. way things are. It's this utopian idealism that's kind of nautical-themed. And I meet them, and we're all from Atlantis, and it's a real place sure. we remember. Or maybe, York, they, or maybe they have different ideas, but they're they're open, you know? I mean, New Yorker is, New York is like the goth version of Atlantis. It's like the industrial goth version of Atlantis. Yeah. But there's it's like Atlantis, and that's why I moved here. And then also, too, when you're a New Yorker, wherever you're from, you knew you were a New Yorker yeah. before you decided to move here. And that's what you came here for. Hmm. And I knew I was from the time I, was, I saw pictures of New York. I'm still a New Yorker hmm. because I tried, well, I was in L.A. and that sucked. But, like, I never became a Los Angelino. I never yeah. melded into that, even though my mother's from there. Um, I never felt... Like, I really fit in in the Northwest. I never, um, I certainly don't fit in with the way the South is. And even though Savannah looks like my habitat, I feel like I am a living avatar walking around inside of a video game that looks like my world. Yeah. <laughs> because everything yeah. looks so much like my world there. And that's cool. But, and that's that fantasy place I created in my comics. And that's not what New York looks like. But my home is here. You know, whether you like it or not, it's where it's where you feel at home. I'm Dutch. The Dutch settled here. Sure. Maybe it's a 
genetic thing. I don't really, or it's an Atlantean thing where everybody's different races, different cultures, it's liberal, it's a port town, it's got a nautical thing kind of. But you, but you, you know, it sounds like when you were thinking about Savannah that you were kind of thinking about... Um, Cheap property. Cheap property, but also where am I going to end up, you know? Like where, 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 where can I sort of like put some roots down? Right. And that's what it sounds like. Because I can't, but even though I love it here, I can't because I don't have the money yeah, ever to. But at the end of the day, like, it doesn't sound like you're going to stick around Savannah forever, right? Because you're, you're well, more comfortable elsewhere. Well, my house and my junk and my doll can be there forever. Yeah. You know, just because my junk is somewhere doesn't mean. Yeah. Like my whole house full of crap and all my art originals and stuff, they can be somewhere while I go anywhere. So even though your house is there, does it's not really your home? It's okay. It's, I like, there's parts of there's this like tropical paradise part of it that appeals to the mermaid in me. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And I love to be sailing around on the, on the sunsets and the clear waters in Florida. And I learned how to sail. I got a captain's license, all this stuff since I've been there. And I was able to pursue that like nautical fantasy yeah. I always had and make it a reality. And now I know a lot more about the reality behind it. And it's kind of cool. And I love living on an island. And I love some, you know, some of the Southerners are really charming. And and they have this cute accent the way sure. that you imagine that it would be. And all of that's really interesting. And it looks like meat cake. You know, the haunted houses and the dripping Spanish moss. And the rickety old shit. And it's all, like, broke, kind of half broken down. And yeah. then it's, like, pirate adventures and stuff. So all of that's been good. But when it really comes down to it, dude, I'm not Southern. Did you <laughs> did you romanticize the ocean because you were from a place without the ocean? Um, my mom's a mermom, and she's from California. What does that mean? What is it? What is a mermom? Well, she has a mermaid house that she built by the ocean. Okay. And now that she's retired, she walks around this beach collecting shells and making crowns out of it and wow. painting oceanscapes. Yeah. And. She's like a total mermom. So she had the same draw that you had. Well, she's from the beach. Yeah, like but she, she lives, moved to the middle. She moved to Idaho because she was like a idealistic uh, teen from yeah. from a big city, and she thought you know going to Idaho. She had her grandma lived in Idaho, so she okay. would go back and see her, and she thought, oh, I'm gonna go back to nature and not be part of this traffic and stuff, and I'll try going to school like. And, you know, somewhere smaller. Yeah. And then she accidentally got pregnant by, like, an artist. She kind of did what you're doing except for the pregnant part. I mean, you know, she decided that she wanted to kind of get away from the city. Well, the problem with being, like, so I was raised in a small town that's kind of like the way Savannah is but the northwestern version of it. So the architecture isn't as good. And it's freezing. But anyways... In like a craftsman from 1902. And I'd live there during the school year and then go up to uh, Bone, Idaho, where our ranch was in the summer. And that was like so beautiful, like the Garden of Eden. And we would ride horses and have this like amazing magical life as children. And, um, but we were kids, so we didn't care that there wasn't really like TV or power or a phone or anything. And I thought, I said this in another interview, but the best way to describe it is, I honestly thought Little House on the Prairie was up the road, like a farm <laughs> over there, but they just didn't have a truck, and we you did. thought it was just a contemporary picture yeah. of life. Yeah. But we needed, like, there yeah. was, like, a one little store, and it only had, like, Cracker Jacks sold in it. Yeah. And for a dime, you'd buy a box of Cracker Jacks, and for a dime, you put in the payphone and call my mother once a week. So where did you so discover? So it's, like, so, and that, that's yeah. what's, like, I'm describing a time from, like, the 1890s, right? But that's what it was like. And I love my grandpa and my ranch, the ranch that I was raised on, and I love my grandma, too, but my uh, ranch that I was raised on was built from the 50s, and they were, like, total self-made yeah. people. So how did you discover comics? What's weird is people think I read comic books and then decided to be a cartoonist, but that's not what I did. But you knew there was this medium. I, I, I loved the Wizard of Oz series as a kid, which were graphic novels. And I loved uh, Alice in Wonderland, which graphic novels. And I loved Pippi Longstocking's graphic novels. Mm -hmm. These are all like female protagonist 
illustrated books, books, illustrated yeah. books. And I would do words and pictures. Yeah, and I would do books, books like that the whole time I was a kid. In fact, like the quote to quote, like um, Alice in Wonderland, her, I think it's her teacher or sister, is like reading a book, and she's like, "If there aren't any pictures in it, then I'm not interested at sure. all." Yeah. So yeah, I kind of always liked that. Yeah. And then, um, so I was drawn all that as a kid, and then I became the cartoonist for my school paper, and then I. Uh, was getting all these awards and then I was looking I really liked Love and Rockets mm -hmm. a lot and I liked other stuff like um, I was familiar with the sap comics and these things yeah. and I liked that Love and Rockets had female protagonists all this but um, so I started drawing tumor humor for my school but I also started making zines and then so I got my scholarship to the San Francisco Art Institute that doesn't have I, I took film and animation um, so I can design for that, mm -hmm. but um, again, like I don't, I can't be just so scatterbombed, always trying to get all these different kind of jobs, like with my skill set, that I just would rather run my hotel and then make my books on my own. Like, but at some point, like at some point, you had to stumble upon Love and Rockets and, and oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Like, realize that it's like, this because was I was um, I was listening to um, like contemporary like goth music at the time which mm -hmm. was called like death rock or whatever yeah and um i was super into like love and rock is the band, the band okay and um the cure and yeah, blah yeah. blah and i was the only goth in my high school well no i had other friends that were too but um you know it was really hard to find that music back then and i wrote to through the back of this uh, magazine called propaganda that was like a goth magazine yeah. and it looked like a zine I found my boyfriend who lived in LA and was a DJ. You found your boyfriend through the back of a magazine? Through the back, yeah, through the goth <laughs> magazine. It's like a pen pal thing where you oh, could wow. find other people yeah. and you'd be like, oh, I like this mortal coil too. You were like, you were you were on the internet before there was an internet. Yeah, and I also sold my stuff through my books and stuff through the back of my comic book before there was the internet. Yeah. Um, and this, the way the world, goes is so perfect for a weirdo like me who like is just like a citizen of the world yeah because i love cell phones i love all this stuff that we don't have to i mean i don't like they're being tracking sure. tracking devices but i like the freedom of it and the flexibility because the whole time i was suffering through this time that like it didn't exist and now everything kind of like my online store makes me money every day all day now and i don't have to do anything yeah I'm just so thankful for that. I always wonder if I would have gotten so, as obsessed with like, with music and and comics and and books and movies the way I did if that stuff was as readily available as it is now. You know, like I had the fact that I had to sort of go out and dig for everything. You know, I don't know. It's so hard to say. I don't know. You really felt like you were getting a prize. Yeah. Because I'm in the '80s. You, and then when you met somebody who was into it. it was yeah, like, it's so yeah. it's like a miracle. Like yeah. And I really do think my first boyfriend, we were born on the same day, and we're so we're Gemini. Mm -hmm. So not only are we twins, we're really twins. <laughs> and I've met a few of my soulmates, like maybe three, and I don't think he's uh, my soulmate, but I do think he's a twin flame. Yeah. And um, he was very, very sweet and pivotal in, in helping me. Like, he got a second job to help me fly to to, to uh, LA. Wow. He interviewed right. me on the radio show, like when he did. He DJed for his school. Yeah. Um, he sent me lots of music. He sent me like all the stuff that was going on in LA at the time in the '80s to keep me up to date, even though I was doing hard time, locked in fucking isolation. It's, it's sort of like what we were talking about before. I mean, you know, it's it's not quite like, you know, have, having somebody like pay your way, but I mean, everybody, and, and that idea of like having a patron, like every, you know, you need those. And he really helped. Life. He was so supportive and yeah. sweet to me. And then I ended up not moving. I applied to L.A., Chicago, New York, like different art schools. And I ended up getting my scholarship to San Francisco. And that's what determined me going there. And then I went there and they didn't have a sequential art department. But I started being in the band Carolina Rainbow and in Suck Dog uh, with Lisa Carver uh, illustrating for Roller Derby. They showed all these people, this community, especially San Francisco, super into comics, self-publishing, yeah, yeah, yeah. all this renegade stuff. So they gave me just my life there. I and mean, they're all older than me because I'm like 17. So they're showing me like how to do it. And as soon as they showed me how, it was off to the races. Yeah. Like 
all I just like was like, okay, here we go then. When did it be when did it become meat cake? Like when when did your like, series really develop? As soon as I got out of high school, my series there was tumor humor. Mm -hmm. But meat cake started when I was like seventeen. Yeah. When I moved to San Francisco. I mean, this is it's so crazy to me that you could start something at 17 and it'd be this many years later and you're still still doing it doing it. What what it's the world I live in. Yeah. It's this other world I live in. It's the it's like and have the, char the characters have been somewhat consistent since those early days. Well, Stragapez used to work at a clam shack and just get paid minimum wage. would be like a wage slave. Yeah. But she invented uh, invisible string that when combined with goat's milk and and spider webs can lift up the entire could lift up the empire state building it's like super strong mm -hmm. so then she became a millionaire yeah but uh, but it's this but you know you've i interviewed um jeff smith a while ago and you know and and he like the bone characters were he had developed when he was like 12. oh yeah, yeah and yeah. it's just and, you know and and, and I, i'm trying to like put myself where I was when I was like 12 or 17, I, I just can't imagine having created something that would be so consistently resonant that I would still kind of be okay living in that world this many years later. It was funny, right? Well, yeah. I always tell people, because, you know, I'm a psychic reader, advisor. Yeah. And people are always asking me, like, what should I do now? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. we all have these moments. I'm like, look, what did you want to be when you were 10? Yeah. Because you were like a true version of yourself, yeah. unadulterated by commercialism, sex, what you're supposed to be doing, uh, knowing even what value money had or like how you're supposed to be making money. Yeah. You're like, I want to be a veterinarian. Yeah. I want to be an astronaut. Like whatever it was, that's what you really wanted to be. So I think if you want to, if you want to be that, then at least go do it as a hobby. If you wanted to be a movie star as a kid, go at least be part of a performance art thing. What did you want to be at 10? I want to be what I am. Yeah, an, oh, an artist? I wanted to be, I wanted to make, I saw this Halloween special and I really don't remember it, the name of it still, huh. but it came on Halloween and it had this psychedelic crazy witch that had these swirling weird eyes that were kind okay. of scary yeah. and like striped stockings. And it was so cool. And I saw it on Halloween and I was like, First off, bitches, that's my style. Second off, swirly witch. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Second off, I'm gonna be an animator. Third off, wow. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna do what I can do to get to the place where I can make something that can get on TV like this, or get on, get make movies, or multimedia, or TV shows. I always wanted to be. Actually, what's weird is like on TV more because I guess I saw that on TV yeah. and I'd never seen and I always hated I've always found most show, most okay only 3% of women are even in politics and also in mainstream movie productions okay. and really big big things like 3% that. of Hollywood is female is that what yeah. you're saying yeah the people in power okay yeah yeah with who can say things in the money yeah. And um, and that has been a very daunting thing for me because although I've become very, very close many, many times because yeah. I'm trying so much, it's really starting to dawn on me now that I'm 45, like, wow, the patriarchy has a serious like stronghold on this because there's a lot of money mm -hmm. and a lot of power to be said in in creating this creating society through uh, media mm -hmm. mass media so they don't let weirdos like me get in or girls like me but also but also uh, as just, much though. yeah but also of just sort of repeating past successes right of finding a formula that works well here's the ridiculous thing they always say they say oh and they even said it to me yeah it's oh I saw this movie called I'll tell you about my epiphany in a second oh yeah yeah they it was leading to the epiphany. Yeah, good, good. They said, they say, oh, well, because we have proof that if we show movies that guys make about guys that guys watch, yeah. the girls will stand behind them and watch it too. 
Like so, the guys only want to watch movies from guys and that women Well, will. and also we've got we've yeah. got like a billion things that are always <clears throat> all about guys, written by guys, blah, blah, yeah. and women watch it too, right? Sure. So, but but that, women, that guys are more likely to watch things from guys than women are too. Yeah, then they yeah. go and say that. Yeah. But guess what? There aren't very many female-centric things out there. Sure. So how do they even know? Sure. They never tested that. Yeah. It's like being like a scientist and going like, well, we're just going to say this is a thing yeah. without even doing any experiments. Okay. So whatever. And then, so that doesn't mean anything. Okay. So secondly, uh, I realized epiphany. Yeah. 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 Okay. Like, okay. I knew it was an alternate, alternative cartoonist. And I knew if I try to send my little zine to DC or Marvel, sure. who have I've worked for since, yeah. but like once I was established, yeah. to get it, to get published, they're gonna reject me because yeah. I'm just not what they do. It's yeah. okay, yeah. I'm not. So I worked at Last Gasp. I sent my stuff to Fanographics. Yeah. I tr got in with the scene, and it took three years or whatever, but I did it. Sure. And then I got published in the correct format in which I am, right? Yeah. And here I realized I'm making, I didn't think of myself as being, because I don't want to think as most of the population of the world, 60% of the population, over half the world, more than guys are women. Why am I a niche genre? Yeah. It didn't occur to me. Yeah. I'm a niche genre <laughs> by being female-centric feminist. Uh-huh. But it is, right? So then I'm you're like, saying even though you're you know, fifty one percent of the population that you're a niche. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically. So here I am talking to the wrong people hmm. about making my yeah. intellectual property. Yeah. So then I'm like, Oh, I got it. This is a niche genre. I've got to find female centric places that produce stuff content yeah. for women. And maybe there are women and maybe we all have this problem together and I can be in my niche and actually get somewhere like I did with my uh, alternative sure. comics career. Right. So then, so then I'm looking it up and I find there's a documentary called misrepresented. This is when I was, I just finished my screenplay too. So it's like epiphany from the goddess. The yeah. goddess leads me and shows me it always works. This is like the last couple of weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So then I saw that that existed and it was just like going to Al-Anon. Everybody in there was like saying, everybody on that show yeah. was saying the same thing I experienced. Yeah. And I know that I'm not supposed to say I went to Al-Anon, but I did. Whatever. I think you're allowed to say that about yourself, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, it helps, by yeah. the way, everybody. 12 steps helps. Anyway, then, <laughs> then I see all the, I see all these ladies all saying the same things yeah. all the same things three percent you know are can even greenlight you um the stuff about female-centric content um girls being objectified constantly um there's only one girl that even shows up and she you know it's not like always like in meat cake it's groups of girls they act like people they do all kinds of stuff they're sexy and cute but they're not objectified they have voices they have characters mm -hmm. they have their own world and that's the way it is for me i'm a girl i have that i have friends we're girls we live like this <laughs> why is this weird like it's normal yeah okay it's a patriarchy twisting crap finally this other movie is saying it and then there's expats of the like whole patriarchy meat grinding system like gina davis who's been through it who's like trying to pioneer something like this to mm -hmm. help other women get media content produced. So I'm like, oh, bitches, snap. I'm going there. So now I'm like starting to research. Yeah. And then, um, uh, and then, and then I'm almost got my whole pitch done now because I have my pitch ready. I have my new book out of all this press now, fresh press. And then my, uh, screenplay which i want to make it on somewhere like netflix sure somewhere that can be made into series and also places like netflix and these um kind of alternative um media broadcasting places showtime whatever 
these places, um, Amazon, they're doing their own series now. Yeah. And I like it because Generation X's are moving into those positions and more Generation X's that are moving in. Yeah. They're like in my generation, they're like more females, more gay, more other alternative types of people. It's not the stronghold as it is in the upper echelons, as like the stu the Spielbergs, okay? That sort of <coughs> and so it have a little more chance, yeah. which is why there's more programming getting greenlighted, like yeah. um, like uh, a man Miranda sings. She was a YouTube girl yeah. that was just a performance artist weirdo. And now she's got something on Netflix. Sure. It's female protagonist. It's or transparent. You know, feminist. Or, yeah, yeah, it's very, you know, and there's like a bunch of them. But but it's interesting because it's in a way. I mean, you know, it's and and you know maybe maybe you had to sort of wait for this and, and technology has allowed this. Right. But isn't um, you know it's it's finally kind of at a point maybe now where uh, where filmmaking or TV making is starting to kind of parallel what you experience with a Fantagraphics versus right. a DC, right? And and if mm -hmm. anything, you know, given given uh, the platforms that are out there, and given like your subject matter, it seems like the world has kind of come around to you a little bit more. Yeah, like, I was just now is the time, right? Ahead of my time. Yeah, but but now, like this would be the time to get it out. Yeah, there. and you know, here's the deal, like yeah. what they were saying in that movie too, like, and this is what I get all the time, and maybe why I'm a godmother and stuff, is because um, we. My hero, my hero was Adam Ant. Mm. I saw him and I was like, oh my God, if yeah. there's, if there's a place in the world for someone <laughs> as weird as Adam Ant yeah. and he can be a pirate like yeah. that, there's a place for me. There's like an island of misfit toys. Yeah. <laughs> if, if Daryl Hannah can play yeah. this wacky doll and like be a mermaid yeah. in these movies and she can be this actress that does that, there's a place for me. Yeah. So when I get out of Idaho, I can find that place. It's maybe not here and it's maybe small and I don't know where it is, but there's a place for me. And he helped me get through like survival. Cause like mm. I'm doing the Hemingway thing, but backwards cause Hemingway went to Idaho and killed himself. I didn't kill myself and I left. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the but, same difference. But isn't, but like at the end of the day, like isn't, isn't the, uh, the ultimate goal to sort of be, to be that person, to be like adamant, the person yeah. who, who is a beacon. What I've realized now. Yeah is there's so many amazing a lot of girls but also there's a like a lot of lbgt yeah. community and i mean i identify as bi even though whatever i have a boyfriend it doesn't matter what i'm trying to say is um uh they're when they when i meet them yeah they meet me like my fans but i don't even like call them my fans because i feel like we're always from the same place we're already from the same place sure and a lot of times they do amazing stuff that's like me but they do it differently like they do a music yeah. or they make fashion or they make dolls but they do we're from the same universe and when i meet them and they meet me we're just like oh my god yay you're here and they were like oh you really influenced me yeah. you made me realize i could do something and i'm like that's how i felt about adamant and that's why they don't want women to get into those positions and rally mm. all these girls to be like we can do what we want bitches because then who knows what would happen the patriarchy would crumble oh god forbid i wonder if like subconsciously part of the reason why you're drawn to a place like savannah is that like you can kind of be that like it, like the, the work that you do in a way is more important in a community like that where it just doesn't exist where you can be kind of a beacon for somebody i feel like there it's more like a target but those i've people, been targeted but, there but those people you know those people who uh those interns and and those people who do find yourself oh there, there you're, yes that, that you're more yes, important in there definitely well yeah but i do not rely on the community no. our community of savannah but i'm saying but i'm saying that that they can rely on you that you can be that person for them because yeah. there's just not a lot of that like here in new york there's oh, a lot I'm of weirdos like, i'm like a minnow yeah, exactly. in a big you're pond. just but, but you're also just another weirdo in a sea of weirdos yeah <laughs> and and it's great that's what i came here for so yeah. i wouldn't feel like alone all the time yeah but you know i made it here and if you can make it here you can make it anywhere which is why i can live anywhere now yeah. Because I certainly do not rely on the economy of Savannah to survive. Yeah. 
And the reason I'm starting my Airbnb, Meat Cake Manor in Savannah, is because it doesn't rely on the economy of Savannah either. It relies on the global world of people traveling mm. and coming to Savannah because it's a, it's a, um, a tourist destination. But are you are you are you sort of setting it up as as kind of like a a, a, a refuge or a place oh definitely where to meet weirdos? yeah I want to do there's yeah. okay here's a weird thing like. People watched Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Yeah, and Savannah. I was totally thinking about that. Right? And I liked it too. Yeah. And then you go there and there's like hearses driving around, people dressed up like ghosts everywhere. Like I was a ghost for three years in a haunted house as like a job. And I would walk into the grocery store mm -hmm. looking like a ghost with my goddaughter, like looking like a creepy vampire or something. <laughs> and they'd go, What are you doing? And I'd be like, I'm a ghost. We're ghosts. Sure. And they'd be like, Oh, because that's a job there. Not like, Why are you out in daylight? <laughs> no, or like, what are you dressed like? They yeah, yeah. once you explain, I'm a ghost. Just saying, I'm a ghost. You're like, oh, because there's a job there. Isn't that like just a weird thing a, though? That like you as like yourself can be Target. a weirdo, but if you're dressed like a vampire, it's fine because it's a job. I, like, what a weird. I know it's very strange because I already look like it. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, that's funny. The irony was yeah, not yeah. lost on me with that one either. But okay, so, so there there's that but they don't have like a voodoo shop like they do in new orleans they have like voodoo shit all yeah, over. yeah, yeah. they have uh they don't have a witchcraft store yeah. that really says it's a witchcraft store um they don't have any of that because it's so bible belt they get targeted yeah and then people freak out but yeah when i if i when i set it up all legally i'm gonna have like Black History Tour, which they do not have, or whatever, maybe, whatever. I'm going to have art classes for kids. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have uh, Witchcraft Apothecary, uh, Goth Night, Goth yeah. Disco Dance Night. Um, all these things that, like, don't exist there that I love yeah. that just don't exist there. So now I can have, like, exist at my place. And then people coming to Savannah are like, where's the voodoo you know it's like oh it's over there <laughs> building like an amusement park too yeah i'm building like a, a sideshow that's attraction, funny. like yeah. an american like dolly world world dolly and then world, yeah. and then like every <laughs> room is gonna be like 20s art deco yeah. friend the girl room wax wolf room with like that looks like edwardian wallpaper ripping apart and then the woods going in back into the wall and then like mermaid room and then um for and then twins i mean twins room so the, all these themes and then dollhouse room so it's all these themes mm. and then um and then like uh airbnb will basically be my promotion tool promoting my thing and then if anybody in Savannah is horrible I don't care but you found the place that's closest like closest to your world and now you're actually turning it into your world exactly because the New York Comic Con put me on the same signing table as Anne Rice I have a photo if you want to see it. it's really great we're wearing the same cameo yeah. and <laughs> and because they know yeah what's up right yeah southern but vampires. savannah doesn't know i'm the next savannah and rice they don't get it yeah new york knew even though i don't i don't have my house here yeah but savannah where i'm gonna have it all happen is oblivious you that's got, the irony of it you've got big plans for the next like five years right dude movies and the movie and house and is gonna happen this year wow i mean the house is gonna start this yeah, year yeah but I mean, it's it sounds like you're at a point where things are really coming together in a big way. It was supposed to, <laughs> 15 years ago. Yeah. Except I guess I was ahead of my but, time. But you, but you can't, you know, you, you you can't worry about that. You just sort of be happy. Well, you know, it is what it is. I mean, yeah. I'm writing an autobiography, and I'm and it's being published by um, Feral House next year, oh, yeah. and we already have a screenplay written for that yeah. too. Dude, and I want these things to premiere at the San Diego Comic Con and stuff, right? But it's driving me crazy because I have, like, such a crazy life day to day. Yeah. It's hard to, like, sort out what's the best and most interesting stories. Sure. And, of course, it's got to have, like, the plot. Like, oh, you know, challenges and tragedy and then, like, triumphs and, like, happiness. And, like, that's what it is, right? A roller coaster. 
But you, but you feel like the things that you've been working toward are really sort of starting to come to fruition now. Yeah, finally. Yeah. But the years that I spent getting to this place, I don't, I could be all like sad, like, oh, I didn't get married. Yeah. You know, New York blew up. <laughs> I've been struggling trying to get, figure out what's happened after that, you know. But I still like didn't stop getting published. Still yeah. kept swimming. I stayed in the game. Um, and, and and you and you stayed true to what you want to do. You didn't oh conform yeah. to. Well, dude, like my purpose, my goal in this lifetime is to serve the goddess. I was born female this time. I can remember lo other past lives. I wasn't female all my lives. I can remember. Anyways, a lot of skill sets I have uh -huh. were because in other skill sets I worked up to being this good yeah. and doing what I can do this time because I was an illustrator in the other life too. Mm. That's why I was like born able to draw. So this isn't just a culmination of your current life. This is a culmination of past lives. Wow. And this time I'm supposed to like be um, represent female centric yeah. point of view in the world and make a place in the patriarchy and a door in that cage for other girls to go through. And not just girls, anybody who wants to be free. Yeah. Anybody who wants to be free from the shackles of the patriarchy and all of these crappy um, things that push on us that aren't us. I know what I am. I've always been this. Yeah. And I would have been successful a long time ago if it wasn't for all that. I've had to like go, okay, gonna put me like a mouse in a maze. I'll run through that maze till I get out the other side. But no, but no matter what, I mean, no matter what happens, hap happened or happens, like you have to be able to look at what you've done and like be pretty proud of that. You've done a lot and you've done a lot. Yeah. And, and people, people love your work. Thank you. Yeah, I, I feel like Aubrey Beardsley is mm -hmm. my favorite illustrator and he died when he was 26. So everything we know of Aubrey Beardsley, yeah. he made before he was 26. Yeah. And I found that out before I was 26. And I was like, oh, I better at least produce the kind of work that he did yeah. by his age so that if I died, I would at least be like him. Yeah. Or somebody a hundred years later, like me, is influenced and the ideas and the ideal and the beauty and the phantasmic phantasmagoric grandeur is propagated on you know mm -hmm. and his legacy lives on he only had a tiny blip of a life he's only 26 yeah. and yet a hundred years later I care there's you know who he is mm -hmm. you know that's what I wanted to be and I've accomplished that like over 10 times yeah. by now so that's cool <laughs> but how many more times am I yeah. supposed to do that <laughs> but I want bigger I've got to do bigger stuff because it's what's needed yeah. this isn't just about me this is about serving the goddess serving women mm -hmm. it's what's needed in society women are, girls are suffering there's anorexic girls all over the place girls cutting themselves all the time they, they as soon as they turn into teenagers they feel that they don't have freedom anymore. That's not how they should feel. They should feel like, finally, I'm getting a car. I'm getting my own money. I'm getting to be an adult. I have more freedom. I remember when I turned 18 in Idaho at my art school. I mean, at, uh, sorry, high school. I'm just another, like, whatever kid, you know. I go, to, I go to the big world. I go to a city of 5 million people. I'm walking around San Francisco. And these guys are, like, yelling at me. Being all, hey, sexy lady to me. And I'm all like wait a minute, I'm, this, I'm the sexy lady they're talking about? What's going on? And then I realized, oh, to, the, to me, I'm just this 18-year-old kid. Yeah. To them, I'm wearing a sexy lady costume. And I'm just a sexy lady walking down the street. And that having to take on that kind of heavy burden hmm. for like a little 11-year-old or 12-year-old who can see that kind of coming now. Yeah. They just like freak out because they don't want, they're not that. They're not that. None of us are that. And we have to battle that every day. One of the reasons, one of the reasons I think I was born 
even looking like I could be a fashion model. And so that, so that I, that maybe I could, and being white in America, where not in a third world country, where I could even have access to a cool school, yeah. or even, even though I'm not from a rich family, I could even do this. I'm not just like stuck, you know, as a third world prostitute or want some of these other girls that I would ultimately like to help when I really have money and power. But I'm not trapped into some kind of thing. I was born here where there is a chance that I can even do that, even with the 3%. Yeah. I can still fight the odds and I can still do it. And I'm still doing something. And and I think I was born this, this time, so I could do that while I'm here this time. There's a bigger picture. There you go, that was Dame Darcy. Recorded that one outside of Comics Arts Brooklyn. A, uh, a great indie comic show here in New York uh, a, a while ago. Uh, that was actually recorded at a, a cafe nearby, as you can probably detect from the, the motorcycles and, and sirens. Um, and uh, so the, the, the occasional interruption. Uh, Heidi from Comic Speed stopped by. I think there's a little cameo from her in there. And uh, Dame Darcy was um, trying to eat as quickly as possible because uh, I took up a lot more of her time than I think either one of us expected. Uh, but, but hopefully it was worth it. It was worth it to me. Fascinating conversation. Uh, thank you so much to her for taking the time to do that. Thanks to Jack at Fantagraphics for setting that up. I highly recommend that you check out Dave Darcy's work. Uh, best way to do it is probably to pick up the Meat Cake Bible on Fantagraphics or you can go to her site. It's DaveDarcy.com uh, Thanks so much to her. Thanks to you guys, as always, for listening to the program. If you do like the show, consider supporting us over on Patreon. That'll help us pay for some of our, our hosting costs if you don't have any money to throw our way i completely understand uh if you could uh write us on uh, itunes or wherever it is you get your podcast that would be very helpful as well if you've got any feedback it's rolcast at gmail.com follow us on tumblr that's rolcast.tumblr.com that is the first and best place to get all of your riyl related information uh like us on facebook i think that's about all i got for uh, for marching orders for, for this week we are uh, I uh, I guess this is probably the final episode of the year been a, a tough year for pretty much everyone I know uh, thanks to you guys for sticking around I hope uh, it was a little I hope the show has been a little bit of a, a bright light and otherwise just <laughs> just horrifying uh, a, a tear and terror inducing year you know maybe you've been listening to the podcast while uh, sitting in the field position underneath your desk uh, lots and lots more good shows lined up to help you get through all the terror that's happening around all of us uh, and have episode 200 lined up really excited to bring you that one recorded that a, a couple weeks ago with Al Jaffe who is just wonderful people on the planet uh so uh stick around because we'll be back just about this time next week with another episode of riyl